I'm Caroline. Over the years, I've started a bunch of creative projects I failed to finish. So I wanted to talk to creative people, writers, comedians, filmmakers, photographers, musicians, about how they work and what they do when things get tough. Learn the secrets of finishing. From Dublin, Ireland, it's Operation Project. <laughs> Any age test, easily, oh, easily. I know you would. <laughs> that's that's gas. Uh, so, uh, but uh, I want to talk to you now about your uh, novel, Laura Casti's Walk of Fame, because uh, this podcast oh. is a, about uh, people who finish things, and my huge admiration for those who finish, because I, like yeah. a lot of people, have creative aspirations, but I'm not magic at finish things and seeing things all the way through. So for my podcast, Operation Project, I talk to comedians, writers, musicians, filmmakers, photographers who finish projects, continually show up to something, publish and push things through and don't get uh, distracted or distraught, but but finish, improve. Uh, and I'm just so into that. And I want to get the wisdom of these people, people like yourself, uh, Alan, really. And I read, well, you, you, you're very accomplished, short stories, radio plays, two novels and probably heaps of other things. But I read your novel, Laura Cassie's Walk of Fame, which came out in just there in March 2020. I read it when I had COVID. Okay, So I had COVID-19 and I was laid up for two, like a week and a half. And it's weird. I couldn't read anything. Oh, I just hit my cat in the face. Uh, I couldn't read anything new for some reason. Right. I was finding it really challenging. So I've been reading a lot of comfort food of like old things that just, you know, a bit of Nabkov and Salinger and just stuff that I already know really well. But I, I picked up your novel. I am. Um, I bought it online. And I loved it and I couldn't put it down over the weekend I was sick. So just to let you know that it actually, I don't know, it was like it actually helped me through being sick. I know that sounds, well, I don't know. I don't know how it sounds, but it's absolutely true. I read it in two like sittings, half on Saturday and half on Sunday. And I just thought it was brilliant. And I'd love to know um, more about the process of writing it so like from when it yeah. when the idea for it how it germinated and then the continually showing up to get something yeah. to do it and to publish it so maybe you could just start and tell me a little bit about um how it came to you and how you knew that this was going to be a larger work well first of all thanks very much that was a lovely thing <laughs> to say that sounds <laughs> lovely um uh, the thing that um, one of my creations, the character, uh, Laura, brought <laughs> solace and comfort during these, uh, yeah, gosh, yeah, strange and anxious times. Um, but the book itself, I mean, yeah, I mean, um, you, you began there talking about seeing things through and finishing. I mean, the novel itself, start to finish, I mean, it did, it took three years. And that was um, more or less starting um quite soon after the publication of Ithaca, which was my first novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that came out at the beginning of March 2017. And Laura came out at the beginning of March this year, 2020. So, yeah. you know, it, it is, it's precisely uh, three years. And um, it began as a voice um, in my head that, um, and really the, I tend to hear things before I see them. You know, I'm an, mm. what's called an aural learner. And sometimes yeah. I mishear things as well. And that's when things mm-hmm. can get a little bit fun and interesting and trippy. But mm. that's uh, another conversation for 
possibly. <laughs> but I was hearing, I was hearing this voice. I had no idea if it was a you know man, woman, boy or girl. All I knew was that it um, it was kicking around inside my head even before the first novel um, was completely finished and published and came out and doing its thing um, in, in, in the world. And so um, I wasn't paying as much attention to it um, initially because I just thought it might fade because um, that has happened in the past with other voices. Uh, but this okay. one did not leave me alone. And... Um, and it was a mix of things, the voice, you know, it was high and low. It was loud and quiet. It was funny and sad. It was angry and disappointment and disappointed. And so yeah. um, I started to, yeah, you know, um, began to began to write. I tend to write a lot in scenes and I tend to spend ages at beginnings of, of things. I mean, if it's a short story, I will spend ages at the first sentence and then at the first paragraph. And similarly with uh, the longer project of, of the novel, I will spend ages at opening chapters. Um, one reason is because um, I love uh, beginnings. I love that new and fresh energy. You know, yeah. when, when, when you... I lied on a new idea, a new voice, a new character. You want to spend a little bit of time with them because you're just so tickled pink and delighted yeah. that this person has arrived um, from the creative point of view, you know, into your writing life and adventure. And yeah, so, you want to kick um, them. You want to kick them off with, do you want to kick them off so f- strong and fresh so other people fall in love with them like you have? almost exactly yeah 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 and you want to stay get you you want to stay with them early on for as long as possible and extract as much of that uh, fresh energy and fire Mm. and spark and then of course um you have to uh pick a path for them to follow uh and off you go i mean um, I can be I can be my own worst enemy at times. Um, I can have too much fun with my beginnings. It's it's as if, it's as if I build a little house for for my character. And in Laura's case, I um I open the front door of the house. I let her take a look to her right, and off she goes up that path a little bit. And then she realizes, hmm, what would have happened if I had taken the left turn when I opened the front door? So I back up the cart. I put her back inside the house. I have her open the door again and turn left, and off she goes. And same thing again. Back up the cart. What would happen if I went straight ahead? And I let her off, you know, as the crow flies for a little while. And inevitably, inevitably, I pull her back again, leave her inside the house for a while, even have her say, maybe, maybe I'll just stay in the house for a little while. Yeah. And so, but at some point, you, know, you need you need to um, choose um, a path. Um, obviously, you can digress and you can have little mini adventures down side alleys and, um, you know, narrow corridors and side trips that you can make. But um, that's where the um, that's where the showing up every day and the graft and the blood and the sweat and the tears. That's when they start to kick in and arrive um, in and announce themselves in unpredictable ways and at unlikely moments. And um, I mean, the the British poet Philip Larkin, I remember he said every good story has a, a beginning, a model and an end. That middle part, the model, that's where the that's where the real graft um, is required. You know, you just need to find ways 
ways to uh, maintain that early spark and that initial momentum, which is probably why I spend so much time at beginnings, just ensuring that I've, you know, um, maybe created a little bit of tension, maybe offered a lively scene, maybe tried to present the character in an interesting encounter with a, with a secondary counter, and maybe offered a suggestion as to what might be making her tick or crucially not tick and mm. then the uh, the reader might stay along for a little bit more of the journey to find out you know what's going to happen with this character is she going to be okay is she okay is she going to achieve her ambition there are often four questions I ask myself um, with a character you know um, and from the character's point of view they would go something along the lines of who am I what do I want how am I going to get it and what's going to stop me? Um, and it's that last bit, you know, what's going to stop me getting it that can lead you into interesting places and situations with a character. And there could be um, a momentum that arrives with um, even suggestions of answers to those questions. They don't have to be, you know, fully nailed down, certainly not at the outset. I mean, um, by and large, you are traveling on blind faith um, which is why showing up every day, it comes with a fair old dollop of fear and dread, you know, fear that um, you will write yourself into a cul-de-sac. Um, and the further you go in, you, you become more fearful and more anxious that uh, that that dead end will begin to loom. You've written yourself, you know, literally into a, into a corner and you've no choice but to back up the cart and go again. This is yeah. kind of how I work. Um, I tend to come at it, you know, um, pretty much um, uh, unformed without a definitive end in sight. Um, because this is um, where you're allowing room for discovery and mystery and revelation. Because as a writer, there's a great buzz when 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 these kinds of things occur Um well into a narrative, say, or well into a project. And it's um, the buzz of this, gosh, a sudden realisation about a character or a sudden moment of discovery for a character. Um, that's where, you know, that's where the real uh, juice is. Um, and that's exciting enough to, like, ki kick you off again and keep, like, yeah. keep putting uh, gas in the, the engine or whatever. It's like the, the excitement yeah. of each little progressive bit of, oh, I didn't really realise that about her. So it really does all, it, it stems from having, like, you want to spend time with this character basically yeah. And yeah if you want to I mean, spend time with their other others well is perhaps the thinking of it but you you have to spend so much time with her like three years yeah. <laughs> effectively yeah. so you have to want to spend that time and i guess she can be a delight and she can be maddening and all these things but you have to kind of love oh, her that's it you see and, and you just you 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 were spot on there on what you said you have to get something out of it from from the as, as the writer because there's a chance that if you are getting something out of it that um potentially down the line the reader will as well and um and if you're feeling it in the writing you know um there's a good chance that the uh, the reader will as well and which is why um writing is rewriting and which is why if you're still feeling it um many 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 rewrites later because you know you the reader will never 
read it as many times as the uh, as the text itself has been written and rewritten. And so you yeah. know that if you're coming at a, you know, I couldn't put a number on it, but if it's draft eight or nine or 12 and you're still getting a kick out of it, I mean, I mean, there's a good chance that you're onto, onto something at that point um, yeah. because there's, you know, there's, there's not a hint of staleness um, insinuating itself. I think you have a fair old chance that um, that the story is working, that the characters are lively and interesting enough. You know, in Laura's case, for example, um, I have um, that opening brief chapter, a glimpse into her as a young girl, and she's watching a series of old movies with her father. And the father plants this um, seed inside her, an early dream or ambition to become, you know, a famous movie star. And I mean, not just, you know, a ho-hum um, movie star, but, you know, um, someone to uh, speak of in the same terms as the great stars from the golden era of Hollywood. You know, the Lana Turners and the Gloria Swansons and the Barbara Stanwyck's and the Veronica Lakes. And so enthusiastic is Laura to her, her to her father's enthusiasm that she is certain in her belief that this is her destiny. Mm. And of course, he's planting the dream inside her from from the get go, from a very young um, time in her life. And, uh, and so she's convinced that this is it. Um, the West End in London, Broadway, New York, Hollywood, Tinseltown, you know, all the way to the to the extent that she is literally going to have her name etched into a star on this so-called famous Hollywood Walk of Fame. That's this is the path. So this is the path I chose for Laura. Um, And unfortunately, um, without giving too much away, perhaps life, shall we say, um, gets its hooks to her so that by the time we do meet her as a young woman, um, a wannabe star on a mission to, um, you know, to get her first part, if you like, um, her circumstances have changed and she's had some setbacks and disappointments in her life and quite serious um, setbacks and disappointments. Um, and again, to the extent that um, she's not um, aware of the extent or of the effect that these um, disappointments have. For example, she's lost her father at an early age. Hmm. Um, and so there is um, there are levels of grief and trauma, along with probably um, small doses of guilt and denial, all mixed up inside her that um, are going to announce themselves in unexpected ways and uh, ways that she cannot anticipate or may not be aware of. Um, you know, the novel itself is presented, if you like, as a comedy of aspiration. I mean, Laura is a very colourful character, but yeah. there is this um, undertone of, of darkness that is going to manifest itself and um, potentially it could kipple her when it matters most. And so, if you like, that's the kind of tension um, that I, as a writer, try to insinuate into the main thrust of the narrative um, this balancing act between Laura, the colourful actress on the make, vis-a-vis Laura, the, the grieving daughter who has had this um, dark episode in her past and um, how that will announce itself. I didn't know uh, a lot of the um, old Hollywood actresses that are mentioned, so I, t- I had to mm. look them up, OK? And 
all of them have just these fucking miserable life stories almost <laughs> like everybody i was just reading wikipedia and looking yeah. at these incredibly beautiful women and they're their fucking yeah. tragic lives just beset with um abuse and <laughs> mental health problems yeah, and just death and misery and it, it's just so, so uh, which is like i think a, a thing that lots of people aspire to uh be like beautiful people who are like extremely talented and beautiful and blessed in some ways but then in other ways just fucking pierced through the heart with misery and uh, yet still super aspirational like everyone wants to be fucking marlon monroe <laughs> why she died when she was whatever yeah. age uh, oh, wow. uh, left a beautiful course but possibly killed by the mob or whatever the hell was going on used infinitely by so many people not just men but Yet these persist yes. in, the, in yeah. the mind as just a wonderful, amazing thing. People forget about the tragedy because they just see the eyebrows, you know. Yeah. But I had to, I had to look up all these, uh, all wow. these actresses, and I was fascinated. Now I want to see all the films that are all mentioned in the book, and I, I have, I've downloaded a bunch of like, you know, uh, film noirs yeah. and lots of things to watch now. Um, well, I mean, again, I mean, you're you're so perceptive there, um, mentioning um all these um brilliant and talented and beautiful but troubled um actresses from way back from that classical era of of Hollywood, um, and and actually it's funny that you mention um I mean five there there are these five mini biographies if you like that are interwoven, um mm. into the into the narrative. They begin each section, if you like. And once upon a time, would you believe it? I had 15 and I tr- <sighs> I was just wanted to pack in as many as I could. And that's probably betraying my own, my own admiration and love and enthusiasm for all of these and, and how much fun I was having with that aspect of the novel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, I, I had some great over and backs with Ansa, my editor at Picador over in London. And she began to... Um, notice the pattern that you've just delighted on to Caroline. Um, all these little miniature um offerings of how awful at times and how troubled and how um you know how diff what 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 a what a what a stormy flip flop path of an existence, um, many of these stars had, and mm. she alighted on five or six of uh, of these bios that were even you know gosh. The, the, these the, these actresses, their real lives were were, yeah, they were they were pretty horrific at times, weren't they? And um, I mean Laura Laura Cassidy, she gets her name from the actress Jean Tierney. She was the actress who played the main part in the film Laura, and um, she she had a brutal time of it in real life. I mean, once upon a time she was um, she was she was as good as engaged to um JFK, you know, the famous American president who was assassinated. Sure. Sure. But um, um, his 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 Catholic guilt got the better of him, and once he discovered she was a divorcee, um, the engagement or the relationship was broken off, and of course they went their own, he went his own respective uh, way, and so forth. But she had um, she had great um, difficulty with her mental health, and mm. um, um, brilliant and all, and talented and all as she was, and um, with three or four of the others as well i mean veronica lake i mean you know she was she was she was t- she was tiny veronica lake she wasn't even five feet tall 
And okay. I loved her impish smile and I loved her peekaboo hairstyle. And if you do mm. get to see her in any of the films, she was such, you know, she's such a, such a, so full of life as a character in the movies. You know, you just can't take your eyes off her. Um, mm. There's a great line. She made a, a lot of films with a, with a guy called Alan Ladd and they were paired together because he was quite small as well. You know, right. I always have, I'm always I'm always rooting for people who are small in stature, but anyways, <laughs> um, but there's a great line that he gives her in the in in um, the film. I think it's the Blue Dahlia. You know, every every guy has seen you somewhere. The trick is to find you. And hmm. you know, I I always thought, God, if I if I if I was a woman and a guy said that to me, you know, that's it. It's, it's yeah, it's game, game over set match. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And it's just um, and I so I can see that like the just the fascination with uh, so you these fifteen guys and you you pair down these fifteen women to the most miserable ones or the ones with the most liveliest <laughs> stories. You probably didn't have to look that far. There's yeah. probably hardly any of them who had like a well-rounded existence and lived to a ripe old age and then died of natural peaceful causes, having yeah. had a lovely time. I don't know. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah, yeah. Veronica was quite young. Jean Tierney, the two I've mentioned, you know, um, and 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 yeah, I know. You've mentioned Marilyn. I mean, my God, I mean, talk about you know the the candle that burns twice as bright and all mm. of that. My word, did they burn brightly? And you know, they soared and they've left some indelible um, images on celluloid on screen and. and um, I mean, I love you. Meant you mentioned that um, that term film noir. I love that era of movie making myself. You know, I love the black and white photography. I mean, the cameramen back then, you know, they were working in analog, not digital. They were working with just yeah. two tones, not the entire spectrum that they that they work with today. And boy, did they, um, you know. Put, put it up to themselves and produce some fantastic, you know, the that grainy photography and the atmosphere of the films, yeah, you know, the yeah. low angles and the, and the long shadows and the high windows and plumes of smoke drifting into the darkness. And that's before yeah. anybody, you know, that's before anybody appears and before anybody begins to speak. I mean, I love the talk, the tough talking wise guys in these films. But I love the fact that the women um, give every bit as good as they get in these movies. Yeah. Um, and, and more often than not, give better than they got, you know? I mean, yeah. they were really pulling pulling the puppet strings. You know, I think of Lana Turner and The Postman Always Rings Twice. I mean, mm-hmm. she has the, the John Garfield character that she enlists to bump off the husband that she is unhappily married to. And she has him, you know, on a promise that they'll travel happily into the sunset forever together. And of course, his jaw is on the ground at this moment and he is willing to do anything for her. Little does he realise the, you know, the, the can of worms or the rabbit hole that he is about to enter. Um, yeah. And, you know, and... and, no, it's, and it's fascinating, broke, yeah. yeah. It is, it is. And then, you know, the dialogue is great. I love that every time two people, even as, you know, merely saying hello to each other in, in these movies, one of them seems to come off second best. So there's an instant mm-hmm. tension there. And as a writer, you know, I, I, I mean, at a young age responding, you know, very much to that, just being spellbound and in another world. 
and the atmosphere and the the energy i've transferred all that as much as i can anyway or at least attempted to transfer all of that onto laura and the character of laura in 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 the new in the new book i think you've done a, a really great job with that constant conflict and just tension and you're just like what the fuck what's going to happen <laughs> what's what's going to happen next i also really liked um it's set again i suppose it's galway right is it galway it is, is. It, it is. Yeah, yeah but no it, it's. It. It, I actually haven't been. Oh man, I haven't been to Galway. It's probably. I was trying to think about it when I was reading it, and I was like, maybe nineteen ninety four or something like this was the last time I was in Galway. It's terrible to say. And but the, the thing is, it's not so explicitly like I wasn't even sure it was Ireland right at the start because it avoids cliches. Yeah. So uh, it it felt a bit like it could have been anywhere. It, obviously, it was a harbour and it was there was the water and it, it, a wharf and these beautiful images of a harbour and there's loads of like uh, terrorists, she calls tourists. But that's exactly right. where exactly where it was I couldn't say and I really liked that because it did avoid what I thought were were sometimes the cliches of things being set in Ireland I, I wasn't yeah. sure where it was and I and it took a little while for that to reveal itself and um I just uh, I, I thought that was a really nice touch because I couldn't tell exactly where where it was and for a little while when it was either and it, so it just added to that sense of mystery at the start so that I just thought that was a real uh, that kept me excited as well because I was unsure no that's that's so that's great to hear because um you don't like what yet again you don't want to um pigeonhole the reader you don't want to locate them in a place um that mm. they may not be familiar with and so yes of course there are all these coastal references and um, mm. the harbor the river the the estuary bridge um Key Street, Flood Street, which are generic enough street names. And so um, if the reader so wishes, they can choose their own um, setting and location um, for for the story. Um, that's something that I was probably um, um, at least vaguely aware of when setting out. Um, yeah. And it happened with the first novel as well, actually. I mean, I, I don't name... Uh, the Midlands town, which is uh, the setting for Ithaca, the first novel, it's very much uh, the Irish Midlands. But again, it's it's fictitious. It remains unnamed for the entire uh, duration of the narrative. And um, I remember I was in a bar in Galway, actually, one night, and um, one of the booksellers in town came up to me and said, gosh, Alan, that was a great depiction of Ennis Time in, in, your, in your novel Ithaca. And I was tickled pink at hearing this, <laughs> because all I know about Ennis Diamond is that there's a matchmaking festival there. I've never been to Ennis Diamond. I don't know. I don't know anybody from Ennis Diamond. And yet this 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 person as a reader was able to um <gasps> conjure their own setting for 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 the for the novel. And, oh that's uh, lovely. Yeah. And it's lovely to hear that. Yeah, it is really nice to hear that. So when I transferred myself from the Irish Midlands to the coast of Ireland, the west coast of Ireland, um I decided to more or less deploy uh to deploy the same tactic or strategy and leave the actual place unnamed. People from Galway will recognise, you know, the the obvious uh, landmarks and hinterlands that are peppered into the narrative eventually. But likewise, people who are not so familiar with Galway 
um, are invited to, um, you know, provide their own place names. Uh, not place their, their own, own uh, place their own harbour upon upon it. Do. Yeah. Well, I I love yeah, that. I thought yeah, I thought yeah. that was really that that really kept, bore me along. It was it was gorgeous. So um, I just want to say as well, I uh, Pat McCabe did uh, the um a nice quote on the front of it. So is it are you are you friends with him or is he an admirer of yours or what's your relationship with that uh, famous Patrick McCabe? <laughs> Pat Patrick McCabe, yeah, he's he's great. Pat, he's he's as mad as a barrel of frogs you know but he's um in, in the most fantastic way he's, he's he's been a breath of fresh air ever since my first encounter with him which was believe it or not way back in the irish midlands it was um saint michael's boys primary school in longford town and um i was probably was i eight or nine at the time <gasps> pat was a young teacher recently qualified out of St. Pat's up in Dublin. And here he is, um, rocks up for his first teaching job in a, in a small Midlands Irish town. And um, like from the get-go, he just stood out. I mean, he even his, his physical appearance was completely different to the other teachers. You know, he had, yeah. he had, long, he had long, shaggy hair. He, wrote mm-hmm. a, he wore a purple corduroy jacket with patches and, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, denims. And, and he just came into the class and um, his vocabulary, the way he spoke and how he spoke, it was just from, a, from another world, certainly mm-hmm. to my uh, little boy's ears, he would chalk up on the blackboard these, you know, unusual phrases that I'd never seen before. And um, I was just captivated. What he used to do when we got a little bit rowdy, he would just start <laughs> telling us a story. The name of the story was uh, The Adventures of Shea Mouse. And there was a subheading, The Mouse from Longford. I always <laughs> loved this. Um, but he would he would begin to tell us stories when we got restless near the end of day. But he had us on the edge of our seats. You know, to the extent that when the bell rang and we were allowed run home, um, well, speaking for myself anyway, I did not want to leave. You know, I just wanted to hear more <laughs> of the story. And of course, he stopped speaking. You know, the 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 the, the good old cliffhanger. Um, but yeah, so um, well, he had he he had his own way of teaching. I don't remember doing too much on learning too much on mathematics and history and geography. Mm-hmm. But certainly my, my vocabulary was um, improving all the time for that particular year. Um, and then he left and went off on his on his wonderful writing career and spent time in, in London and Dublin and so forth. Mm. But um, I remember when I um, published my first collection of stories late in 2008, just for the um, pig iron, I hadn't met him as an adult at this point. Um, I decided to post the collection to him, and I knew he was um, from originally from Clonus in County Monaghan. Yeah. Um, and he had moved around several locations at this point, so I literally wrote on the on the envelope that I put the book into, you know, Pat McCabe, author, Clonus, County Monaghan. And I got this email from him out of the blue, you know, about a month later saying, uh, thanks very much. Uh, this enjoying this. Great to have, um, you know, an ex-pupil and so forth, cutting it um, in the literary world. Give them hell, rile them as much as you can. 
and then he made a, a a reference to the school play that he'd actually put on with our class in that particular year, <gasps> and he quoted a line from the, from from the lead character who he had named Filthy Filthy McNasty. <laughs> so I have this somewhere as well in my archive. And so um, when I finished my second collection of stories. You know the way we're, we're invited to send our work out to writers we admire in the hope that they might offer, you know, a nice fancy quotation that the publisher mm. can put on the cover, as you've already sort of alluded to. And so he read the second collection and um, gave me a lovely quote. Um, and the second collection, Psychotic Episodes, that got a little bit of notice from festival organisers. Um, and I remember toward the tail end of 2013 I was invited to the Cork Short Story Festival uh, where Pat McCabe himself had been invited to uh, read and attend and speak at and I remember when I went into the venue I could see him at the at the very top and he was actually sitting on a bench on his own so I literally just without thinking about it I just made a beeline for him straight away <laughs> and you know so here we here we were at uh, Together in a in a lovely literary venue, um, shaking hands as two adults, as teacher and former pupil, and as two published writers. So that was quite a big deal for me. And we stayed yeah. in touch a little bit ever since. And so you know, when when Ithaca, the first novel, came out, um, Picador sent it to him because Pat had also been published by Picador in his early days. So there were these lovely parallels and overlaps and synchronicities in our in our writing adventures that were sort of unfolding as both of us were going along. And it was great. it's great, you know, it really is. And so he's read every every book as it's come out and and yeah, and offered a quote for the cover. And uh, we've met a couple of times since and we you know we we get along. June Caldwell, I don't know if you're familiar uh, with June from a Dublin-based um, short story and novelist as well. She's a fantastic character. And, um, you know, she's extremely um, loquacious and witty and entertaining as well as being a brilliant writer and person. And so she was at this short story festival as well. Um, sorry, this was at a... Uh, at a at a second event that myself and Pat were were invited to together, but June was also at it, and the three of us we sort of hung around together for an evening, and uh, and June, I mean, whatever um, soup um, Pat was fomented in to begin with, June was definitely um, fomented in the in a, in a similar um, kind of literary soup mm-hmm. and so they, the two of them um, got on like a house of fire as well so the three of us um, yeah we were we were very happy together in each other's company for an evening um, on the streets of Cork um, yeah lovely memory <laughs> these are the lovely things that can happen what I like about that story uh, Alan is that you had the balls and actual emotional intelligence to send your book and presumably a nice letter that you spent some time writing to Pat McCabe and you didn't know his address but you went fuck it I'm going to send him something and and I'm sure you spent time with your message that you wanted to tell him because because the people like him must get books like a million books in the post all the time really if you think about it yeah But you spent some time crafting and interweaving your story with his because that that because there's because your story is interwoven with his and you and enough to intrigue him to read because this 
it's you know yourself it's hard to pick up something and read it <laughs> like that's like it's a challenge to do that so I, I can imagine that you you spoke to, the probably a very important piece of writing that you did was perhaps that letter that you wrote to Pat McCabe that day with that you enclosed with your yeah, book yeah yeah you're spot on these are the these 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 notes when you're just trying to um rekindle an early memory and and trying to um catch the eyes and ears of somebody you've admired from afar from a long time yeah there was a long time spent um chiseling and polishing and <laughs> tweaking and rewriting um to the extent that i probably um you know end, ended up overthinking and and i'm pretty sure um i remember one sentence began you taught me when i was a young boy and to mm. my eternal mort- mortification i'm fairly certain that i spelt spelt the word taught incorrectly of all the <laughs> words to to, to, to choose um to um you know uh typo the there yeah yeah the past tense of the word teach can you imagine but, maybe he um, thought you were being marvelously like ironic or something yeah yeah, yeah i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go with that double bluff yeah <laughs> that, i love that that's brilliant um, and just so i'm gonna read it out because it's so nice cinematic zip and dazzling noir panache dot 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 a cracker so that's actually just that's lovely you must have been made up when uh he sent you that for your book so fair play i love yeah. that I, yeah. it's really important to know uh, like especially in, in terms of uh pushing things through uh, getting things out there finishing the, what you do with it after it's finished it's just lovely to hear from people how those relationships happen and how you also have to nurture them those sort of relationships can just wither away just like any relationship can if they aren't like worked on a little bit and uh massaged and just a, a, a little bit of uh tending to them yeah um yep yeah, you're so right and i mean and i mean these encounters you know they're only going literally they're only going to happen a handful of times uh mm-hmm in in one's life and so you're going to have to you know they're going to be encounters that you know that you are going to treasure and of course you know um i know i come with a delay mechanism and the and the encounters fleeting and all as they are i mean they're already um well in the past before it suddenly occurs to me oh my god you know this <laughs> this this actually happened and we swapped these um, sentences and had this exchange and share this moment and a drink and a you know so forth and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean you do you end up pinching yourself but it's it's a nice feeling <laughs> I love uh, these that. are the you know the yeah yeah the unexpected rewards um that 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 come yeah and you put yourself out there and um, it's kind of almost like being ready and receptive to to these things almost almost kind of in, in in a way I'm an optimist Alan but it almost ensures that uh they happen I like to meet the world with a nice wide open arms just because you never know <laughs> what's gonna happen yeah. really yeah 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 you don't and um and I don't think there's anything wrong with um offering yourself you know um you won't know if you're going to sink or swim or win or lose until you turn up and take part in the race, you know, yeah. and, and, and have a go. 
And, you know, the worst case scenario is, is that it won't go according to plan. But you, you can just, you can back up the cart, pick yourself up, you know, dust off and go again. And, um, and, and, I, and I think, you know, this is, I think it's okay to, um, to, to, to offer yourself. And if you're careful with your expectations, I mean, mm. um, even if somebody meets you, you know, at max halfway, you know, it'll usually be less than that. But, but that's all, that's all good too, because, you know, it is, it is a meeting and it is uh, an engagement and it is something for you to, um, like you say, be receptive to and be accepting of and delighted that to take um, whatever version or whatever fraction is, 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 is offered back or comes your way. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that a lot of that would come from my own sort of um, sensibility, certainly when I'm setting out to write a piece as well. I mean, so many pieces, whether it's, you know, whether it's a short story, poem, a piece of drama or a chapter in a novel. I mean, you, you, you get that um, initial spark of energy that gets you maybe halfway down a page or through a couple of opening lively paragraphs. But more often than not, you know, the um, the the energy might will start to fade and, and you know, you will extract um, all the juice and you will realize that this is possibly um, a story that's either going to remain in limbo for a little while. It's going to need some time to incubate. It could well be that it gets away from you, you know. Um, it's a slippery thing and um, it might not be that particular piece of writing's um, moment in time um, right now. As a writer, what you have to do is um, you have to accept this and um, realise that, um, okay, I thought I was ready for for this piece. I thought this character was going to meet me all the way. Um, She isn't. That's okay. I'm going to put her aside for now and we will um, pick that up again down the line. Um, and then, you know, um, switch tracks and um, off you go again. Um, and I think if you can not allow that um, wear you down, I mean, there are going to be, obviously, there are going to be sluggish days and slow days and off days. There are days when Laura is just not going to um, play ball. And mm. you're saying, OK, Laura, thanks, but... Um, you want to be left alone for a few days. Fair enough. I will do that. But I am going to, just so as you know, I'm going to be back here this time tomorrow. If you choose to show up, fair enough. Um, that's great. If you choose not to stick around, that's that's okay too. I'll leave it till the following day. And so, you know, this is why I think it's such, you know, it's it's it really is an act of faith. You know, you're just trusting that at some point, you know, she will show up and she will yeah. be there waiting and she will be ready to, you know, depending, fly out of the traps and just cut loose on the streets of Galway, whether it's uh, bringing um, a bunch of tourists around and being um, in her element at full pelt and winding them up to her heart's content and being lively and amusing and witty and entertaining stuff, you know, that's just going to fly off the page and that, you know, the reader will enjoy. 
And then other times she's going to be perhaps more introspective, more reflective. And we're actually going to get um, an in, an insight into her um, interior uh, life, into this interior journey that she is also embarking on. And we're going to get a glimpse of, you know, Laura, the troubled, the troubled soul and who has uh, a, a psyche that is perhaps damaged and fragile and vulnerable. And that at times that um, while she may be having difficulties getting through the days of her life, you know, entering into the real world, we will get a glimpse as to why that she is um, also um, operating in this world of dream and invention and of imagination. This is how she has chosen to to um to deal with this um more vulnerable part of her psyche. I think actually that's one th- one big thing that the novel is certainly attempting to emphasize or explore. Um, you know, there's a gap where between where Laura is when we meet her and where she mm. wants to be. Mm. And that gap, you know, it's a place for invention and dream and an imagination. And for me, I think the the novel might be trying to explore um, that fine line between the language of dreams and the language of every day, you know, between that place of dream and more, uh, you know, more grounded, the more grounded and concrete uh, world of reality. Um, mm. And I think the the an exp- exploring the power of dreams and imagined places and hidden places and secret friends, <laughs> you know, it's it's it can be quite a powerful thing for those in the world who are more vulnerable than others. And I think that's certainly one thing that the that the novel is trying to do, and it's certainly one thing that uh, I was yeah, interested in as a writer myself. You know, that fine line between um, between um, fantasy and reality yes and I just you were you know I love the thing about like you show up every day for Laura whether she shows up or not is <laughs> debatable but you'll yeah. always be there to see to, to yeah. see if she's so she might stand you up some yeah. days but you're always there um well, on the subject of that do yeah. you do you go off and write other things though during that time do you sometimes let yes. her go on holiday and leave her aside and like write a short story or like how, how does that look like what was the longest you left her alone let's say for for a little bit to, to percolate um let me see so yeah i began i began laura it would have been autumn 2017 you know the, the i got stuck into the thrust of the narrative um around about then I like waiting until you know when when uh, the days start begin to get a little shorter. Um, okay. There's something about artificial light and after dark that seems to do something to my own uh, mojo. Um, mm. I have a better chance of getting stuck in and getting going. But um, so once I was going with with Laura, once I had discovered who I. Um, I had a semblance of who I thought she was and where she was from and um, what she wanted. Um, then I was into this so-called muddle. Um, and it's that long stretch, you know, that can that can really um, play havoc with your mm. with your mojo on a daily basis. This is when I would start to take perhaps, yeah, little mini breaks and realize that it's time maybe to just 
to let her um, percolate and sit for a little while. So, you know, yeah, that could be, I, I could let her sit for um, the better part of a week at times. Mm. And, um, and a few days pass and you do feel that sense that um, of loss, actually, and that you're missing something. And you mm. can feel the sort of uh, well inside you begin to fill up. And it's a nice feeling because you know that you're itching to get back to her. And that there's a good chance of um, the moment at which um, we had temporarily parted ways, there might be something um, coming from the back of the head, from the subconscious that's going to, um, you know, maybe offer a way forward. And inevitably it does happen. Again, I mean, it is very interesting. Um, and then, you know, I begin to show up and, you know, Laura herself may be a little sluggish. But one fine day, one fine morning, she'll be there waiting, primed and ready to go. And, you know, these are the moments of bliss when when mm. when it's as though you have a spirit guide just um, moving the, the hand across the across the across the page or the laptop, you know, to the extent that if for some reason something takes me away, I mean, um, it's one thing if um, she Laura is allowed not show up and that's fine you know she she can she can go off on her on her holliers if she wants but if I decide but once she does decide to show up if I decide to take a half day you know my god she'll be she'll be the histrionics will start and she will get she was you know she is not she is not a shrinking violet she will get loud and make her presence felt in in no uncertain terms so it's very much um um on her terms and uh, once once, you know once you realize this and you will be made to realize it very quickly you accept it you know because you're as a writer i mean you're just you know, you're only too happy if you're if you can nudge along um, a piece of writing um, on a daily basis. And so yeah. it can come in fits and starts and you in scraps and in bite sized chunks. But it is amazing um, how it accumulates over time once you put that time in, mm-hmm. you know, to the extent on one fine day you realize and you turn that beautiful corner. And even though you still may be. Um, 15 20 words away from uh, the finish line there's this realization that something again that you feel my god i'm actually going to finish this and that is the <laughs> most wonderful feeling because you still have a fair old stretch to go but actually knowing already that it's going to get done and then all you have to do is turn up every day and that's when you know this this kind of it's it's kind of trippy you know caroline the, mm, that's when wow. that spirit guide is it's it's doing its thing for you and i don't necessarily know what's going to happen um in the scene that i am about to write but lo and behold you know a couple of hours later there there it is and it gets to the stage at that point i mean you might have um you might have the scene down maybe in within a couple of hours i mean i might have gotten up early and it mightn't even be lunchtime. And I feel as though I have my day's work completed. And you don't trust it. You know, but wait, it's only 12 o'clock. It's only one o'clock. I, 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 you know, I'm supposed to have another few hours to go in the afternoon. But no, I mean, the, 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 the chapter or the scene or the situation that you are working on has been, has resolved itself. It's there. It's down. It's done. Yeah. And so, um, 
another kind of thing kicks in then you've got to find a way of getting through the rest of the day i remember hemingway in a, in a famous interview what he used to say was um you know once once that 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 spirit guide kicked in it and finishing at lunchtime he found the rest of the day really really difficult to get through and that's why he would go off you know hunting elephants and fishing for whales and so forth i mean he just need he just needed a shall we say a highly intensity burst of diversion in order to 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 get himself to the next day i thought that was quite interesting but um i'm yeah you know i couldn't i couldn't go um hunting elephants but i could certainly (laughs) um i did uh, relate to the to the to that sensibility that that need to um oh my god what am i going to do for the rest of the day so yeah that that gets you to the finish line but that's before a lot of you know it's 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 weeks months and indeed a couple of years of 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 toil and mm. blood and sweat and tears you know it's it's all of it and it's it's um doubt and uncertainty and fear and dread and anxiousness but you know you let all these emotions it's like uh, travel through you and that's what they do because these are fluid things and they're moving as well and they're moving in one direction and they and they pass you know so um you, like yeah, you allow yeah, them yeah. To, to move a pass through yeah. you because yeah. you have that knowledge that like this yeah. too will pass and uh, you're onto something good. Yeah. You must be, cause it feels really good and it yeah. reads really yeah. good yeah. and you know, there's something there. So if you're, if, if time, if you're having a hard time, fuck it, you might have a better day tomorrow or just, just any, yeah. it's just the knowledge that you're onto something good and trusting yourself yeah. a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit of knowledge. It's a little bit of trust and um, probably a little bit more faith, you know, this mm-hmm. is, yeah, it's something mysterious as well. And I love <laughs> history and, and so um, you embrace it, you know, warts and all. <laughs> and and you were you mentioned earlier your uh, editor uh, Ansa. So uh, yeah. at, at what point do you pass something along for your editor to read, or do you pa- do you pass things on as you go, or do you give them like a first draft? With um, with Ithaca, because this was the first novel, um, it was you know. Um, with my um, agent and the editor he uses, I mean, we had the text um, lickety spit now by the time it got to answer at Picador. Now, right. she, she had some wonderful big picture suggestions um, moving a couple of um, key chapters around toward the end, um, which really opened things up in, in really mm. interesting ways. Um her involvement was more crucial and um with 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 Laura with the second novel because we had um already developed um a working relationship i would have offered her in its entirety um a working draft of of Laura quite early on actually and of course she picked it apart and um <laughs> unearthed several things that weren't working at all levels um the plot the character, plausibilities, 
Um, and the whole, it, you know, the 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 the, net, the narrative in its entirety, you know, because um, novels, you know, they're cohesive things. They need to work on so many levels. Mm. And so she came back with her suggestions. And again, you know, I I, I take a week to summon the energy, galvanize myself um, to absorb what it is she's trying to say. And then another week to um, summon the energy to begin tackling um, what it is she had to say. Um, you will agree, or at least I agree with most of it, um, not all of it, but, you know, pretty much all of it. And so you go again, and um, I would have offered her another working draft. And this is where things can get a little bumpy, um, because there, um, once you've realized that you do need to um, overhaul or change tracks to a certain extent, there is the danger that things will get slightly uh, more off kilter before you're more on track um yeah as it were it has and to get all messy before you can fix yes. it again you have to take everything out with a culprit before yeah. you can put it back in right yeah so the next draft was shall we say a step back as opposed to um yeah a step forwards and mm. we both quickly recognized this but it was the next draft then when um things began to get uh you know, really exciting. I mean, novels, it's as though they are underwater for a long time. So it was at that, you know, third solid working draft that it began to become visible, you know, what was making Laura tick? What were the key moving parts in the novel? Um, The sister character, um, Jennifer, her name is in Laura, for example, um, once she arrives home from her stint abroad, um, she really, in an earlier working draft, she really insinuated herself into the narrative to the extent that her story w- was threatening to overpower Laura's story. And of course, we're getting the story to begin with mm-hmm. from Laura's point of view. So um, we could hear, or I could hear the the gears uh, grind together, if you like. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, the the character of Jennifer, um, yeah, there was a lot of um, working out and unraveling, and trying to figure out what what's what's her story. I mm. mean, is she is she really too good? Is she really as good as um, she makes a, herself out to be? Is she somebody to be wary of? Um, is she you know uh, why is she really home after this unusual length of time away from home without? Mm seemingly remaining in contact with the family and so um um jennifer herself almost became um a mini um novel within the novel yeah and um so there was a little bit of nuancing and tweaking and fine-tuning and getting the balance right and getting her presence and, and the extent of her presence in the novel, getting that right. You know, on and off, that probably took the best part of a year. Um, right. that is, that's just one aspect of the novel and not the predominant aspect of it. Yeah, but Ansa and myself, you know, yeah, we would have had several over and backs and, you know, some serious questions and answers and you know, a fair, a fair dollop of fun as well. And it's lovely when um, when you get that email from her and she thinks that, uh, yeah, the work has been done here and mm. uh, the novel is now most definitely working and doing its thing um, and resolves itself in a satisfactory way. 
And so, um, yeah, and then it you know, moves on to the line edit, copy edit stages, and it goes through the various um, phases. Um, and um, one fine day, you get, we get what's called our proof copy in the post, which is that which is the last chance saloon to change anything we, we feel might need changing the proof copies they're also going out simultaneously to the reviewers and the critics and the bloggers and and and, and so forth but um but yeah i mean at each at each step along the, the the journey of a book from idea to completed um finished copy i mean there are many many steps along the way that um as each one gets um accomplished i mean you can just yep yeah, that's that's we're that little bit closer all the time mm. and um and and the satisfactory energy generated from the accomplishment of each of each step um it's enough to make you want to turn up encourage you to keep going and um, if you you know uh, if you could just just constantly riff off the little good the little rewards and the mini rewards <laughs> and the, um, the tiny good things that are happening along what is a long journey, I mean you you just cling to these um, all the time and it it can be enough to. Um, to keep it coming sustain. back for more enough well, to sustain yes. yeah enough to yeah. sustain and uh, and to say not get discouraged and i think this is like i've talked to i don't know maybe 14 people now for my podcast and it is it's this notion of sustaining it's what separates the people who do from the people who don't do is is seeing the path walking down the path quite enjoying the path but realizing as well that it's you know there's going to be thorny bits and uphill bits and bits with rocks on it or whatever and there's going to be hard bits but being sustained enjoying all, all of it the hard parts and the easy parts uh easy i don't know if that's ever easy but in, in, trying to find some satisfaction in the parts that are challenging a uh, lot lots of satisfaction but being sustained to to, to continually show yeah. up i've one more question about um all this COVID 19 bullshit has probably put a bit of a fucking stake through the heart of your like marketing and post book coming out um presumably there's some kind of yeah stuff you're supposed to show up and do because your book came in March 2020 and so was yeah. was is there a lot of stuff has to be moved around was there any cool trips that you had to put off or anything um yeah I know the um the timing I know it, it, it it's um it's 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 one of these things you know I mean the first thing to say is I mean this is you know it's a surreal time but it's awful mm. but it's it's also a pretty it's also a pretty scary time for for lots of people mm. um and that and that you know does its thing um um to the to the to the heads to the headspace as well I mean Laura was published on the 5th of March we did manage to have a hoolie for it that Thursday in Galway, which was lovely. Phew. We were also supposed to have a, yeah, yeah, I know it was, it was great. It was a lovely turnout and there was a lovely energy in the room. And we had a another, you know, long day's journey into the night of toasts for, for Laura that, that night. And it was great to see so many people. The following Thursday, March the 12th, we were supposed to have a launch, a similar hoolie for it in Hodges, Figgis. 
in Dublin. Oh yeah, that and, was the, the um, that was on a Thursday. Yeah, was it? Yeah, that was the Thursday. That was the day the the call out, the lockdown call out went out. You know, Leo's call out. He was in, I think, was he in Washington that day? But myself and my partner Fanulo, we were halfway to um to Dublin. The bus had just crossed the Shannon actually <laughs> when we heard it on the radio that was being blared through the bus. And um straight away, you know, um some of some of my some of my people, you know, the phone calls were starting to come in. Is the is the launch gonna go ahead? Um um I had the the wonderful writer and spirit that is Mia Gallagher lined up to introduce uh, mm. Laura on the evening in 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 Dublin and straight away she was on the phone to find out um what's the state of play is it is it still going ahead mm. so um Cormac Cormac Kinsella the publicist he 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 had a, he made a quick uh, call to the bookshop and they said well look at this will literally be the last event but we, we but we'll do it um, people, no doubt, will already be starting to become a little cautious. So, um, you know, a, signif- a significant crowd may remain at home. But we went ahead and did it in Hodges Figgis anyway. And, and yeah, I mean, um, there was there was a nice crowd there, a lovely crowd and a nice atmosphere, muted and all, though it may have been. But um, she had her she had her day in Galway. She had a a little bit of a day in in Dublin. Um, but yeah, the 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 measures, uh, the lockdown measures came in and became more increased as time went by. All the events started to fall by the wayside. I had a mm. few appearances lined up. Um, we had a lovely event actually planned for the following Thursday again. That would have been March nineteenth in Longford Town, where I grew up. You know, and they had um, they had they had quite a quite a nice thing planned. A nice crowd, lots of people were invited. There's uh, Mary Carlton Reynolds, who's a brilliant librarian. She had um, you know, she was going to pull out all the stops, bells and whistles, and give Laura a good boot into the Irish. Midlands, shall we say? Yeah. And so that fell by the wayside. And then Courch cancelled their festivals. Um, and some of the other usual suspects cancelled their festivals and some other um book clubs I was supposed to turn up and maybe spend some time with. I mean, all of these fell by the wayside. Mm. But then as a sort of a counter to that, and um, we spoke about it already. Um Court decided to present a digital version of their festival. Um, something I became aware of um, a piece of software called Zoom. Mm. And so um, did a couple of um, events via via YouTube and via Zoom last night, for example, with one of the book clubs that I was unable to turn up to in person. And I think at some point last night, there were 18 square boxes on the <laughs> computer screen all talking to each other, sharing smittens of writerly advice and offering little poems and ditties and and, and bite-sized chunks of prose to each other. And they were asking me some, some questions and I was trying to be as wise and reassuring as I could possibly be. And and, and, and so stuff like this, it's it's keeping me going. Um hmm. You also mentioned, do I, you know, do I write other things when I park, say, the the long haul um, journey that the novel inevitably involves? 
Um, so I also write uh, radio drama. And, um, and again, as a response, probably to this strange time we're going through, um, um, the, one of the um, radio drama directors at RTE, I mean, she's been on to me now to ask, would I consider doing a, writing a small, like a short bite-sized piece that might work on radio. And again, I've kind of noticed um, uh, that this is kind of the way it's the the, um, the 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 requests are coming in, possibly as as a as a response and maybe a, a, a symptom of this time that we're going through. Um, I've read in a couple of places. Well, this this must be a, some sort of a godsend to writers because you know we are supposed to self isolate almost mm-hmm. by default you know and and now we have all this time to 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 immerse ourselves in the great covid novel or whatever it's going to be but i don't know it doesn't quite work like that i mean mm. you know my subconscious has certainly tuned into the fact that this is quite a a bizarre time a stressful time an anxious time and a you know that we're going through as well and so um it's sort of telling me alan you know be careful be gentle with yourself mm. go easy baby steps only, bite-sized portions, please. And that seems to um, that seems to have come through in any of the small uh, writing requests, certainly, that I'm receiving at the moment. And, uh, and I'm only too happy to receive these and have a go at them. For mm. example, you know, a radio play typically might be broadcast in that hour-long slot, um, eight to nine on a Sunday evening, for example. Mm-hmm. So the play could run anything from up to three quarters of an hour long, um, you know, music and ad breaks and so forth. But now I've noticed that Goretti, she much rather um, look at something that's maybe eight to 10 minutes long. And I think that might be um, symptomatic of our more um, concentrated and fractured attention spans at the moment. But again, it's all it's 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 all grist for the mill, and I'm only too happy to obviously be aware of this um, um, bizarre and strange and uncertain and confusing time that we're going through, and allow my my allow my own writerly sensibility and spirit guide respond in whatever ways it um, deems appropriate and suitable, and not try to um, force things too much, you know. Yeah, and, and come what may, and and again, and allow it, allow it do its thing, and travel and pass, and uh, and let's see what what comes the other end. Um, I actually, it's the characters in in the novel that I actually feel bad for, you know, <laughs> as a as a writer, uh, and 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 Alan the person as well. I mean, I've spent three years now with Laura Cassidy and her mother and her sister and her boyfriend and the hotshot director she's hoping will will give her the lead role in the play. I kind of feel for Laura that she's not able to um, cut loose on the streets at literary festivals and book events and, and strut her stuff and be, you know, um, engaging and be sassy and be, you know, frustrating if she if she so chooses to be so. And thematically, with poor old Laura, she doesn't get to have her walk of fame in the way that you were hoping for her that she could just right now. There's a, a kind of a, a cyclical, um, it's almost on a, a thematic thing with the book that 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 sort yeah. of works in a horrible way. <laughs> 
That's right. I mean, I, I kind of like to think that she's uh, sitting somewhere with her own YouTube channel with <laughs> nightly episodes, you know, and she's um, with some suitable virtual cocktails and high definition theatre and she's pouting into the webcam, you know, <laughs> all right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close up now. And <laughs> she'll go live at eight o'clock and cut loose for you know an hour with Laura Cassidy and you can stay with her if you want or you can you know tune out if you so wish as well but she's going to be there uh, during this time to um, maybe entertain and maybe provoke as well. <laughs> well do you know that was absolutely lovely Alan I think we're going to leave there we've been talking for like 90 minutes now which is bananas Um. Thank you so much for uh, being, well, the first guest that I've not looked in the eyes. (laughs) This is quite a strange thing for me as well. I'm trying to pivot just like everyone else is. But uh, I hope you had a nice experience. I had a great experience today talking to you. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll catch up with you again soon because I want to hear how you're progressing creatively i'm going to be catching up with everyone i'm talking to as time goes on and having little bits of follow-ups to see how people are getting on thanks a million for having me caroline (laughs) and um yeah i hope we i hope we did i hope we did it justice um it was a pleasure um talking to you for the last um hour or so uh, brilliant yeah have a great and really enjoy the rest of the weekend and uh thank you so much so talk soon alan take care bye caroline bye bye